and welcome to Let's Be Better, a podcast where we have the hard conversations about politics, minority communities, and our world at large. I'm Hannah, and on today's episode of Let's Unpack, we'll be discussing Dr. Macy Jemison, the first black woman in space, featuring special guest Jordan. Also, as a note from Hannah in the future, Jordan and I had this whole conversation just to find out we weren't recording, so you'll hear some reference to that. Also, I will be using this microphone to record uh, any future conversations. I used my headset microphone for this episode and then realized I can record myself with my normal mic at the same time, too. Thank you for your understanding, and I hope you enjoy learning about Dr. Macy Jemison, the first black woman in space. Take two. This is the story of Mae Jemison, the first woman of color in space. My sources that I primarily uh, refer to are from Biography.com, the Encyclopedia Britannica, TED Talks that she has, Star Trek.com. There's a few YouTube videos and an interview with May from the website Fast Company. All of those will be linked in the description. So in her early life, Dr. Macy Jemison, she was not born a doctor, but she was born October 7th. 17th, 1956 in Decatur, Alabama. She was the youngest child of a roofer, carpenter, and an elementary school teacher. She has one sister who became a child psychiatrist and a brother who is a real estate broker. When she was three, the family moved to Chicago for better educational opportunities, and this is where she considers her home. Growing up, she had many passions from astronomy to dance to biomedical engineering. Growing up, she watched a lot of Star Trek, and she was inspired by the character, you gotta help me again here, Uhura? Uhura? Uhura. 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 Thank you. Uh, You are a Trekkie, so you- Yeah, quite a bit into the science fiction element, (laughs) uh, which Star Trek is, you know, is known for a lot of forward things, like the first uh, interracial kiss on television, I believe. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uhura and uh, Kirk, I think. Yeah, it was like the first one on television. Yeah, She was also one of the first Black characters with a main role on American television. Prior to this, most uh, Black people were minor roles, but she was one of the first like lead roles. May graduated high school in 1973, and she enrolled in Stanford University on a National Achievement Scholarship. She was 16 years old when she started Stanford. While she was there, she was in dance and theatrical productions. She was the head of the Black Student Union, and she received two degrees in the four years she was there, one for chemical engineering and one for African-American studies. And I mentioned this earlier, but she did dance proficiently. She was, I think, a ballerina. All the photos of her are of her doing ballet. And uh, so she had to decide whether or not to become a professional dancer or to go into STEM. And she chose STEM, but she never lost this passion for dance. And I feel like a lot of times there is this battle between STEM and the arts and the humanities. And You know, she often talks about how both are important. And even though she decided to go into STEM, she doesn't think lesser of the arts, which I appreciate quite a bit. 
especially at this time when none of us have jobs. After her undergrad, she went to Cornell University Medical College and studied international medicine. While getting her grad, she studied in Cuba and Kenya and worked at a Cambodian refugee camp in Thailand. She obtained her MD in 81. She interned at the L.A. County and University of Southern California Medical Center and worked as a general practitioner. Then she joined the Peace Corps as a medical officer for Sierra Leone and Liberia. There she taught and did her own research. While uh, working for the Peace Corps, she managed health care for all of the Peace Corps and all U.S. Embassy personnel. She also worked with the National Institutes of Health and the CDC on many research projects, including the development of a hepatitis B vaccine. So she is doing all of this before becoming an astronaut. Before deciding to be an astronaut. <laughs> Just uh, an amazing doctor person. Still can't get over it. <laughs> Becoming a freaking astronaut. May returned to the USA in 1985 and then just decided she wanted to accomplish her childhood dream of becoming an astronaut. She applied in 1985, but then the Challenger disaster of 1986 happened, which kind of stalled everything. But then she reapplied again and was selected from a field of over 2,000 candidates. She was one of 15 people accepted. And uh, she was the first group after the Challenger disaster to be admitted into NASA. So she was not deterred by that. Mm-hmm. June 4th, 1987, Jemison became the first African-American woman to be admitted into the NASA astronaut training program. Before her, only 280 people had been to space, only 19 of whom were women. While at NASA, she worked to process space shuttles for launching and verifying their software, and she supported missions between the United States and Japan. Uh, They studied life sciences and conducted experiments in material processing. This is the first successful U.S.-Japan space mission, and it took place in 1992. Fun fact, May was actually scared of heights. She suffered from a fear of heights, but when she got into the astronaut training program, she says, quote, there's no way I was going to get, there was no way, I can't, I can't read this quote. (laughs) There was no way I was not going to get through because of my fear of heights. It is only a weakness if it keeps you from doing stuff. She believes as you learn your strengths and work on weaknesses, the key is more of an issue of balance than to focus on one in hopes the other will disappear. And I didn't really talk about this earlier, but I think who who said the quote um, that you, you need to do something every day that scares you? Was that Eleanor Roosevelt or Kennedy's wife? Give me a Hmm. The exact mass of this quotation appeared within a June 1997 essay by Mary Schmidt, a columnist for the Chicago Tribune. Huh. Do one thing every day that scares you. Mary Schmidt's essay went viral and became a smash hit by August of 1997, but the words were not credited to her. Hmm. Instead, the work was retitled Wear Sunscreen and was incorrectly described as a graduation speech given by well-known author Kurt Vonnegut. In 1999, the essay was transformed into a popular spoken word song 
Everybody's free to wear sunscreen. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm reading this thing. This article. A similar thing Eleanor Roosevelt said is you must do the thing you think you cannot do. That's nice. I like that, too. I never knew that that wasn't an Eleanor Roosevelt quote. I'm on this article that says uh, Mary Schmidt, Eleanor Roosevelt, Kurt Vonnegut, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Jane Addams, Mark Toby. And I was like, oh, I didn't know this was a controversial website. Yeah, we are. (laughs) No one can agree except for quote investigator who says Mary Schmidt. Huh. Well, Mary Schmidt, good on you. Every day that scares you. <laughs> There's a great book uh, by Shonda Rhimes. I forget what it's called. I think it's called My Year of Yes. It's basically her memoir of when she started saying yes to things that made her anxious. Hmm. Which Shonda Rhimes is a uh, a writer. She was she's best known for writing Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, and um, how to get away with murder. Oh, dang. And okay. She <laughs> is one of the most prominent, prominent black TV show writers uh, right now. Uh, I adore her. Yeah, it's called The Year of Yes. Uh, and it is about how she was becoming so anxious that she would never say yes to anything. And so she decided to say to yes to a lot of things that scared her in her life. like giving speeches at graduations and stuff. Uh, and I highly recommend it for that kind of talk about doing things that scare you. seems to be quite the sentiment. That's amazing. Yeah. I think this detail in Mae Jemison's life is really underreported. The fact that she was like terrified of heights. And to me, that's like one of the things that stuck out the most to me. And also, you know, as a testament to her character, you know, if you're scared of heights, I don't think there's anything more terrifying you can do than become an astronaut. That's fair. <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose it would it would have to do with why and how you're afraid of heights. Because if you're f- afraid of falling from a high place, there's no safer place than in a spaceship. You're not That's going true. anywhere. That's <laughs> true. There's no gravity. <laughs> there's no gravity. You're not going to go anywhere. You're strapped in for the launch. <laughs> <laughs> that's true but i imagine take off and then re-entering orbit no matter who you are has to oh, be yes. uh, <laughs> terrifying. terrifying terrifying i so, suppose that's why they uh train them for so long <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean hire me nasa let me give you all of my expertise NASA, um, can i interview you about what it's like to go <laughs> a big rocket ship <laughs> Oh, yeah. So she's uh, scared of heights, but went to space anyways. Uh, when This is a quote from biography.com. When Jemison finally flew into space on September 12, 1992, with six other astronauts aboard the Endeavor on mission STS-47, she became the first African-American woman in space. During her eight days in space, Jemison conducted experiments on weightlessness and motion sickness on the crew and herself. In all, she spent more than 190 hours in space before returning to Earth on September 20th, 1992. Following her historic flight, Jemison noted that society should recognize how much both women and members of other minority groups can contribute if given the opportunity. 
Something else that we didn't talk about earlier is, I forgot. You were going to say something, though. I heard you take a breath. <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, we, when we were talking about this earlier, we talked about how I was born in 95. So this is only three yes. years before I was born, which is not long enough for this to not be in the public conscious, <laughs> first of yes. all. Um, and, you know, that just kind of boggles my mind. She she entered college. I believe university the same year my mom was born and Mm -hmm. my mom is not (laughs) that old (laughs) like and neither am I for that matter (laughs) right right this isn't like some ancient history yeah this is relatively recent and you also mentioned that um the LA riots took place in 92 as well yes in the April slash May of that same year were the LA riots, otherwise known as the Rodney King riots. Um, mm-hmm. Which we, when we were talking about this earlier, we were talking about how it is, it, it, it couldn't have been easy. <laughs> well, first of all, that's obvious. But second of all, like you go through a lot of trauma when stuff happens to you and you're getting a lot of harassment and all kinds right. of Just stuff. Just being a public figure in the first place is going to, take a huge toll on you mentally regardless if you're even if you're just like a white male that's going to happen mm-hmm. i mean she's a she's a woman who is in this field that there aren't a lot of women in she's an african american woman she is a minority in general all these things i think probably compounded and was really awful for her i'm sure yeah, absolutely. That's that that was like my first thought is first of all, this is not that long ago. That was only 3 years before I was born. Second mm-hmm. of all, I believe that's the same year <laughs> the LA riots were and that that bo- like imagine imagine like what happened in in June and then right. going to space right now. Right. After what happened in June. Like that <sighs> I'm sure too it must have put things in a in such an interesting perspective for her too because you know you hear people who go to space and they talk about when you see the planet all the way out like that and you see that you're so far removed from it everything feels so minuscule and unimportant and Mm -hmm. as such a strong woman as she is and was too at this time, I'm sure, when she's like out there in space being like, man, people on that planet think that I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And it's there she is. Tiny, tiny people. <laughs> right. And I just always thought that that was really interesting when I took astronomy. And I'm sure if you are in space itself, when you have such a zoomed out perspective of the world. Everything seems so unimportant. Not saying that people being racist are, like talking about racism is unimportant, but racists are unimportant, (laughs) I guess is my point there. Right. But it's also like, this is is our home. Mm -hmm. And as small as it is, like this is our life. 
You know, that's like telling a bacteria, what you're doing is unimportant because you are small. Like, right, <laughs> like right. they're doing extremely important things, even though they're small. You know, it's just yeah. a matter of like, you can finally see like everything. You can like almost perspective Instagram photo, the, the entire thing you're fighting for inside of your hands. And you're right. That has to put things in a perspective. I don't know if it would like give you more hope or <laughs> make you think about things differently because things are smaller, but it's definitely like, you know, this is where we're at. Right. I think that would be a really interesting thing to talk to an astronaut about. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, people are always like, tell me about the science. Tell me about, you know, how you, fix this space shuttle when you're in space and I'm like like. (laughs) I'm like tell me your existential crises that you were having when you were up there what was Uh, that like please what is your (laughs) philosophy on the meaning of life after seeing (laughs) life (laughs) maybe maybe the only life we'll ever encounter Right. Like, Did you just not want to come back? Did you just say (laughs) hey you know no I'm not going to go back down there (laughs) pass hard pass (laughs) so let's see after she left nasa uh dr may jemison let's see she left in 93 so pretty soon after her mission and she accepted a teaching fellowship at dartmouth so i also didn't say this earlier but she was like i want to become an astronaut excuse me she was like i want to become an astronaut and then she became an astronaut and then she's like okay i did that moving on (laughs) (laughs) She was like, okay, check, next. Uh, Crazy, absolutely insane. Uh, In 93, May also appeared as Lieutenant Palmer on her favorite childhood show, Star Trek. Yay, full circle. The best part. The best part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's just stop here. Amazing. Amazing. And she's so cute in it. Like the photos of her, she's just radiant. And she, I'm, you might have been like looking at pictures of her, but at this time she had like a cute little, uh, not a buzz cut, but like a pixie Mm -hmm. cut. And she's just smiling and she's so cute. Okay. Right. And also there's, you know, Star Trek is so good for that. Oh, she was on, she was on. Okay. 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 Next generation. What are you discovering? She's so cute. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She is so happy to be there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, I don't know if you know this, but also like the Star Trek is, the, the fandom is kind of responsible for fan fiction as a whole. I did not know that. Yes. Uh, in the 60s and the 70s, I believe, they started making pamphlets of basically fan fiction and going to conventions and cosplay and stuff uh, was all all spurred from Star Trek. That's kind of why I like Star Trek so much. Is That's really... I didn't know that at all. No. Yeah, no. It, it's... So much fun to research afterwards the rise of fan fiction and cosplay via um, black women and other queer women in these fandoms, and most primarily Star Trek. Wow. I've always like know, knew that Star Trek was good and that I would probably like it because 
as a, a kid, I liked Star Wars and stuff, and my brother liked Doctor Who, and you know, I was mm-hmm. into sci-fi, but I just never got around to Star Trek, uh, and I probably should. <laughs> it's not too late. It's never too late, especially not with the internet. Nope. She then established, uh, after being on Star Trek, she established the Jemison Group, which researches, develops, and markets advanced technologies. She also leads the 100-Year Starship, which is an innovation to get humans to travel beyond our solar system within the next 100 years. And in her TED Talks and when she's discussing 100-Year Starship, she mentions how interdisciplinary her work is and the people that she brings onto her team on are people that she brings onto her team are so she'll you know get people who can sew and people who have learned history and people I'm sure she has you know artists in there and it's not just scientists who are studying plants She has given TED Talks about the importance of interdisciplinary teams and about the importance of teaching arts and sciences together. This is also something you might remember from high school that I've felt a lot of feelings (laughs) about is like I wanted to go into astronomy my senior year and I was really thinking hard about growing into STEM. Uh, and I decided to go into theater instead. But this idea that it's either arts or sciences, it's never both, I think is hurtful. Well, and- yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely correct. But, I, you know, I think it's this idea of pitting people against each other and devaluing mm-hmm. the arts because art as a form kind of even as like a job, it doesn't exist to be a job. Like, so this idea in, in like a capitalist society of devaluing something that is primarily used uh, against capitalism is going to be devalued and, you know, teaches you these harsh binaries of either or Uh, it's kind of difficult when you are both of them and, you know, mm-hmm. remembering that you can have both either or and everything <laughs> like learning. Yeah, is you never can bad. have both. <laughs> art is never bad. Learning a new hobby, a new art, a new skill in either or like programming or um, drawing or whatever is like never a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I I think it's really cool that she uses her platform to to discuss the importance of both. Like she didn't forget where she came from. She doesn't pretend that she was never a dancer or anything like that. She embraces both. So she talks about the lack of women in STEM and something that she said uh said is that A lot of studies find that professors often discourage their young female students in part because they can't visualize them becoming their colleagues eventually. People graduate and go into fields in spite of professors, not because of them. Success in part comes from what you give people permission to do. Uh, Let's see. She organizations 
that want to make a difference and be more inclusive need to shed their internal biases too. She calls out companies that encourage staffers to play golf in order to belong. She says, I don't know how to play, but my lack of ability should not preclude me from talking to people. So some of her honors include several doctorate or several honorary doctorates. She received an, a number of accolades, the 1988 Essence Science and Technology Award, the Black, the Ebony Black Achievement Award in 1992, the Montgomery Fellowship from Dartmouth College in 93. She is named the Gamma Sigma Gamma Woman of the Year in 1990. In 92, the May C. Jemison Academy, an alternative public school in Detroit, Michigan, was named after her. Jemison has been a member of several prominent organizations, including the American Medical Association, the American Chemical Society, and the American Association for the Advancement of Science. She served on the board of directors for the World Sickle Cell Foundation from 1990 to 1992, and she has also served as, as an advisory committee member of the American Express Geography Competition and an honorary board member of the Center for Prevention of Childhood Malnutrition. And this last quote is from Fast Company. We get different results when we are inclusive, May says, and not just to reach the stars, but to accelerate the pace of equality. Her recommendation, balance, inclusion, and audacity. And be a little impatient, she adds with a hearty laugh. And that is the story of Macy Jemison, again, the first black uh, woman in space. And my new hero. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, uh, did you want to do your plugs again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I stream on Twitch. I stream casual games like Animal Crossing and The Sims uh, when I can. I'm on a big break right now, but I'm coming back soon. That's Mermaid Cove, all one word, on Twitch. And then uh, my Twitter handle is mermaid underscore underscore cove. Uh, I am not super professional on there, but it is the only Twitter I have. <laughs> I would also like to promote uh, the Quileute tribe is trying to move to higher ground. They're on the Washington coast in Seattle and where they are at as a lot of tsunamis and flooding danger for them. And so that is mthg.org if you want to donate to moving the Quileute tribe to higher ground and helping them get into a safer area where they continue to be a uh you know, bright, shining, cultural light. Um, also, I would encourage you to research how many Indigenous women go missing every year. Oh, it's yeah. a hollow number, and it's hard to look at, but it is something that I think we all need to educate ourselves on. Absolutely. Especially also uh, Indigenous women in Canada and also uh, Indigenous people of Alaska, too, in some of those more remote places. It is definitely a huge issue, like you said. Well, thank you for being on, Jordan. I appreciate all your time and being my first guest. Thank you so much for having me. If you ever want me back, just let me know. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really nice conversation to have with you. And you brought up a lot of valid points and added a lot to this. So thank you. Well, I had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm probably going to like get a poster of Mae Jemison now. <laughs> She's so cute. Look at the photos of her in space. She's so freaking cute in her like little space shuttle. 
Yes. Okay. And on Star Trek. And on Star Trek. very cute in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a good day. I definitely am recording now, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, we got it all this time. Hey, thanks, Jordan. Hey, no problem. As always, you can find all of the sources for this episode in the description below. If you have a future idea for Let's Unpack or just want to stay updated, you can follow me at facebook.com slash letsbebetterpod or on Instagram at letsbebetterpod or you can email me at letsbebetterpod at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. See you next week.